excited about that. <clears throat> I want to read a couple verses of scripture found in Psalms 33, 11, and 12. <clears throat> Psalms 33 and 11. I apologize. I have sinus trouble most of the year, and um, <clears throat> I'm battling that right now. It's not COVID sinus. It's just regular old sinus. Uh, don't worry. I don't have any temperature. <clears throat> I just have sinus problems. I've had it all my life, and I guess I'll go out of this world with sinus problems. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. <clears throat> Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. I love that last verse of scripture there. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. And that's what I'm going to teach or preach on this morning. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. I am so glad that I know the Lord. I'm so glad that I'm in the church. I'm so glad that I have a Bible as the reference book. This is not just a story somebody told us. We've got a reference book. And that book is powerful and mighty. It is the inspired word of God. It's very accurate. Amen. You can depend on it. And I'm so thankful that I am in God's kingdom. Can you say amen? <clears throat> you can be seated. God bless you. <clears throat> I am an American. And I love America. And I'm proud to be an American, and I do not mind saying what I just said. I have no problem saying I am proud to be an American. We have our problems in America, but America is still the greatest country in the world. Many people can only notice and talk about the bad things that are happening in America. And the liberal people who are trying to change America to a socialist nation. Many can only see what's wrong and not have a vision of what's right in our country. But I want to remind you of the young men and women who are willing to fight and even die for their country. And if you are a veteran today, I want you to stand right now and I want us to clap our hands for our veterans, our men and women that have been willing to pay the price that we could have freedom. Amen. Don't grab about America too much to me because I'll get a gut full of it after a while and I'm going to tell you, hey honey or sir, if you don't like America, why don't you just find somewhere else to go? I love my country. Amen. We have more good going.
going on in America than we have bad. And we need to change our focus uh, to seeing the good and not just the bad. Now, this is not a political rally, and President Trump did not pay me to preach what I'm preaching today. I'm just thinking that it is the 4th of July weekend, and I am not only glad to be an American, but I am glad to be a Christian. And thank God, because Americans have continued to make sure that we can be Christians and have our freedom to love God and worship Him with all of our heart. And I'm glad of that, and I'm thankful for that, and I appreciate it with all of my heart. America's great in our territory and resources, strength and beauty and achievements. America has shared its wealth, its scientific discoveries, our education and our medical accomplishments with all the rest of the world. I love America because it has given me the freedom of religion and speech. One man asked another man, he said, isn't it true that both the Soviet and American constitutions guarantee freedom of speech? And the other man came back with this reply. He said, yes, that is true. But the difference is American Constitution also guarantees freedom after the speech. A South American president once said, South America was founded by men seeking gold, but North America was founded by men seeking God. I want to say I'm happy today that we have men and women that are still seeking God today. I want our church to be a God-seeking church. I want our church to be a God-praying church. I want our church to be a God-founded church on the Word of God. I believe America was, has reached the pinnacle of greatness unlike any other nation in human history. Because our founding fathers established America's laws and its precepts on the principles of the Word of God. And this, my friend, includes the Ten Commandments. God has blessed this nation because of its early days. She sought to honor God. And I will say to you, it's time that we as individuals start honoring God in a new dimension of honor. We need to honor God in everything we do. We need to start talking about God honoring things. We need to start giving uh, praise to God on a daily basis. If you're getting up and grappling and complaining every day of your life, it's time for you to change and start giving God some glory for the freedoms that we have so beautifully at our fingertips. God has blessed this nation because we've honored God. When the pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock, they knelt down upon the shore of that 
uh, of that bank of that ocean and they began thanking God and forgiving them a new country to come and worship him. The worship of Jesus Christ was at the center of every new settlement in this new land. When the Continental Congress faced great problems and difficulties and knew not which way to turn, Benjamin Franklin called upon the members of Congress to fall down on their knees and pray. And our founding fathers of the United States of America wrote their faith into, of God into the Constitution. They stamped the words in God we trust in our coins and on our dollar bills. And they founded a great educational institution that we have on the word of God. You may not know it, but the first three American universities established in this continent Harvard, Yale, and Princeton were originally built in order to train pastors for the ministry to be able to preach the gospel and make this country a free nation. They may not be feeling that way today, but I'm telling you, God is still on the throne and we still have that in our history and they may want to hide it. They may want to say it didn't happen, but I'm telling you, it did happen. We are founded on God in this nation. We are founded upon God's law and his ten commandments. We are founded on God's love and salvation and we cannot forget that. Somebody say amen. Those who first settled at Plymouth Rock in 1620 came here so they might be able to worship God freely without government interference. My wife probably told most of you, if you haven't heard it, let me tell you, she is a descendant of the Mayflower. She went and spent days and hours and days and hours, went over to the Mormon church and got in their records and went back. And on paper, she proved through her granddad and grandma and theirs and theirs and theirs, what, nine or ten generations, she went back and got her roots. And she is a descendant of the Mayfire. My wife is patriotic. My wife believes in America. My wife believes in God. My wife believes in family. My wife believes in, in righteousness and joy and peace in the Holy Ghost. Oh, I just have to say she's probably just a red blood true American. Our forefathers who fought during the Revolutionary War, those who took part in the writing of our Declaration of Independence risk all that they had by signing their names to that document. Those who helped to govern during the early days of America were people who acknowledged the presence of God. It is said that 52 of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were devout Christians. They 
acknowledged it. They admitted it. They weren't afraid of it. They were not embarrassed about it. They admitted openly that they were Christians. I'm telling you, if our founding fathers of our Declaration of Independence are not ashamed uh, uh, to say that I'm a Christian, what is going on with us Pentecostals if we ever get ashamed to stand up and let our world know I am a Christian. I am a believer of Jesus Christ. It's further been stated that 94% of the founding fathers quoted and made many quotes from the Bible. 30% came directly from the pages and 60% from men who had used the Bible to arrive at their conclusions. I'm talking about the founding fathers of America. The Bible was important to them and it needs to be important to us. If you're not reading your Bible, you need to get it out and dust it off and start falling in love with it. It's God's word and it will make a difference in your life. America's destiny will be determined by its remembrance of God. Listen to those quotes by George Washington in his inaugural address. He said, It would be improper to omit in the first official act my fervent supplication to that almighty being. No people can be bound to acknowledge and adore the invisible hand which conducts the affairs of men more than people of the United States. We ought to be no less persuaded that the propitious smiles of heaven cannot be expressed on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right which heaven itself ordained. Sounds to me like George Washington gave credit to God for the birth of this great land. Amen. I like it when our founding fathers believe in Jesus and not afraid to admit it. Come on, Pentecostals. Let's get out of that rut and let's start telling people, yes, I love Jesus. Yes, I'm one of his. Yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I believe his word is God's inspired word. After signing the Declaration of Independence, Samuel Adams, who was called the firebrand of the American Revolution, affirmed his obedience to God by stating, We have this day restored the sovereign to whom alone men ought to be obedient. For the rising to the setting of the sun, may his kingdom come. Dr. John Witherspoon, signer of the Declaration of Independence, a member of the Continental Congress, described, he was described as the man who shaped the man that shaped America. He said, God grant that in America true religion 
and civil liberty may be inseparable. Benjamin Franklin, who signed the declaration, discovered uh, or delivered his most famous speech on June 28, 1987, at the age of 81. He said, I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of the truth that God governs in the affairs of man. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, it is probable that an empire cannot rise without his aid. We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Patrick Henry, a Christian patriot, golden tongue orator of the revolutionary period and the only United States governor to be reelected five times said in a speech before the revolutionary war is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery forbid it almighty God I know not what course others may take but as for me give me liberty or give me death Henry also said it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists but by Christians, not by religions, but all the gospel of Jesus Christ. This country was fought for and founded by people who acknowledged and discerned and sought the presence and the blessings of God upon America. I'm glad to be an American. I'm glad that I know God is the builder and the founder and the director of our nation. One of the greatest slogans in the American Revolution was, no king but King Jesus. God has blessed America for over 244 years because we have been a people that have acknowledged the presence of God. We know who the God is. He is the Lord. There's no doubt in our minds. We know that God is one and that God is on the throne and his name is Jesus Christ and he is in control of our universe. And if you want God to be in control of your life, just love him with all your heart, so mind and strength and say God I submit to you and get ready you fix to have a good life God's going to give you a good life if you'll submit to him I want you to go back with me this morning over 500 years ago to the days of Christopher Columbus listen to what Mr. Columbus said he, he quoted it was the Lord who put it in my mind to sail from Spain. I could feel his hand upon me. There is no question that my inspiration to sail came from the Holy Ghost of God. 
I have to agree with him. I believe it was God's will for America to be found so that we could have missionaries in our world, so that we could still have God in our country. We still have the freedoms. We still have those liberties. And I'm telling you, folks, it's time for Pentecostals to get serious about voting. Now, that may not have gone over good. I am not interested in hearing your political opinion if you don't take a, a, enough love and, and responsibility. You have a freedom to vote. People have died that you could have that freedom. And honey, you need to go register. You need to get your driver's license and walk in there and vote just like everybody else. Let's vote for the person that you feel will run America better. We may not agree on who that person is, but that's not the important thing. The important thing is you have a privilege of being able to vote Take that privilege seriously and get to the polls and vote. Mr. Trump did not tell me to, to say that. Noah Webster once said, all that is necessary for evil to prevail is for good people to do nothing. Good old Pentecostals just sat there in church and talk about how good it is to get ready for heaven. Just worship God and not vote, not be involved, not take those responsibilities and that freedom seriously. Just do nothing. And the evil people will vote and they will do something. Several preachers recently met with several of our Christian senators and representatives to discuss what can we do to stop the moral freefall that's going on in America. One of the greatest concerns for the legislators was expressed several times. One of the men or several of them said, well, where is the church? One senator said, I have received 16 letters from pro-homosexual marriage, marriages. And he said, not one letter from a Christian in opposition. All we got to do is just good moral people do nothing. Just sit there and do nothing. I'm telling you, it's time that we start writing letters to our schools and let them know how disappointed that uh, morality is being taken away, that the Bible is not taught, that prayer is not in our schools, and that's why we're falling apart. We need to start sending letters and say, I'm praying that the school system will wake up and start allowing God back in our schools. Bring the Ten Commandments back. Bring God's Word back into our schools. And you know, if enough of us would be doing those kind of things, they would start hearing us. It's not 2% of the world. It's not 2%. 
that are in opposition to Christians that are trying to get all these laws changed, all the things that the Bible stands for and all the things that the Bible is against, these people are against the things that God stands for and His Word stands for, and they're openly uh, for the things that God detests and hates. And it's only 2 or 3% of the whole United States that's saying anything. And we Pentecostals are not saying anything. We're not writing letters. We're not being vocal about God's law. I wish somebody would get fired up about it and start writing some letters, start forming organizations, and let's get together and bind together and get our churches together. And whoever is listening out there today, why don't you just get with the program and let's start getting excited about the kingdom of God in a way that we're not afraid to let people know this nation was built on Christ and I'm one of his. I am a Christian. Christians must vote. John Jay, the first chief justice and father of the Supreme Court and one of the primary writers of the Constitution wrote, it is the duty of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. He thinks Christians ought to be in office. I do too. And a lot of Pentecostals shout, hey man, I believe that, but they don't vote. Are you mad? No, I am upset. Not at y'all if you vote. If you don't vote, I'm upset with you. We got people that never vote on anything. My wife and I vote about everything. We just went and voted last week on an office that they didn't get a, a, a tally. They didn't get the right, it was, I don't remember what it was, some malfunction or something. We went back and voted again. One person, one vote. I was in the in and out in about two minutes. But I believe it so much that I have that freedom. I have that privilege and I'm going to exercise it. Believe it or not, the state of Delaware. Everybody say Delaware. Everybody say Delaware again, because you're going to think I'm kidding. Delaware required office holders to take a note of affirming their Christian faith before they could take an office. In the early years of America, you had to take an oath and affirm that you're a Christian before they'd even let you take an office. Wasn't a whole lot of religious freedom during that time, was it? Sounded like they were kind of prejudiced and overbearing and pushy. And not only did Congress in night or in 1782 approve the use of the Bible in our schools, they even paid for them with tax dollars when the school system first started. Our government was paying for Bibles as textbooks in our school. And we just let them walk away with it. We let them just do what they want to do. Take away our rights. Because we're not willing to stand up and say, oh no. We need to bind together, America. We need to wake up, America, and realize we have these rights. We have these privileges you want to take it out of the school, what about my rights? I want to leave it in the school. 
You want prayer out of school, what about my rights? I want prayer in the school. You want to take the Ten Commandments out of schools and out of the government, what about our rights? We want to keep that in our government. And that's what we need to do, America. We need to wake up and realize that we need to be expressing our rights. This country was built on this. And if we don't wake up, it's going to be taken away from us. Somebody say, I'm going to wake up. And in 1844, when someone sued to remove the Bibles, the Supreme Court ruled why should not the Bibles, and especially the New Testament, be read and taught as a divine revelation in the schools? Supreme Court ruled that. Where can the purest principles of morality be learned so clearly or so perfectly as in the New Testament? That was a statement from our government. America was settled by people looking for religious freedom. Most other nations in our world came into existence by conquest, selfish and ambitious motives. Those who sailed on the Mayflower in 1620 fled from dictatorship and oppression. And the Mayflower Compact, which they signed beneath a swinging lantern in the cabin of the ship, they proclaimed that they had come to the new world for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith. In the early colonies, the first public building to be erected was a church house. And the first public exercise was the worship of Almighty God in that building. When sorrow came, they gathered at that church to appeal for God for help. When bountiful harvest filled their barns, they gathered at the church for thanksgiving to God. In 1643, as more and more people arrived on those shores, they joined together to form the New England Confederate. They wrote a constitution, the first constitution written in the new world. And it began with these words, Whereas we all came into these parts with one and the same end and aim, namely to advance the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ and to enjoy the liberties of the gospel in purity and peace. Our founders had a strong desire to be pleasing to God and do His will. But about 150 years passed from the time of the earliest settlers to the beginning of our nation. And as time passed and the original settlers began to die off, many of their descendants were more concerned with increasing their wealth and comfortable living and being faithful to God and His Word was not important to them. And as wave after wave of immigrants, immigrants arrived, many of them came from other, for other reasons and with entirely different motives than the early settlers came. 
The spiritual atmosphere deteriorated rapidly. Churches began dying. Many of them that had once sought religious freedom for themselves were now being intolerant of others and their ways. By 1730, only about 10% of the people in the colonies attended church at all. That which had begun for the glory of God and the advancement of the Christian faith had almost disappeared from our land. But then something amazing happened. About 1934, a handful of preachers, Jonathan Edwards, George Whitfield, Gilbert Tennant, John Wesley, and others began to preach in the churches and in the streets and in the fields. These soon turned into great crusades, and revivals began to spread and break out through the 13 colonies. So many people came to Christ during that era, it began to be known as the Great Awakening. Tens of thousands dedicated their life to the Lord and were baptizing. Our founding fathers, the signers of the Declaration of Independence, those who wrote our Constitution and the Bill of Rights, those who put their lives on the line, who fought and died that we might be free, all these grew up and came into leadership while this great awakening was engulfing our land. And the generation that experienced the great awakening became the leaders of the American Revolution. And over a 10-year period, political science professors at the University of Houston collected and cataloged 15,000 writings of the Founding Fathers. Their goal was to determine the primary source of ideas behind the Constitution by identifying the sources quoted most often by them. And guess what that primary source was? It was the Bible. 94% of the quotes of the founders of our nation was based upon the Word of God. America was founded by men and women who acknowledged who the Lord God was. They were not ashamed. They were proud to say, I am a Christian. I'm hoping that something I've said today will spark in the hearts of you that are sitting here today and those of you that are listening at home and you will get fired up and excited about being a Christian and about being an American. It's time we wake up out of sleep and start rejoicing and being thankful and being happy and being excited about being a Christian in America. I am glad I know who the Lord is. He is the Lord God Almighty, and that's what makes us different than everybody else. Would you stand with me?